Titus again, please, if you would turn there. We're in Titus chapter 3, and uh, I will tell you this, that uh, I don't recall ever preaching out of Titus, or certainly not preaching that much out of Titus. Titus has been a rich book, and uh, just every time you look at it and meditate on it, there's just so much more there. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, today we're going to start in verse 8. I'll uh, tell you where we've been. Uh, you remember verses 1 through 3, he reminds them of the changes that God desires. He talks about uh, us wanting us to be under authority. And uh, I honestly, I think that one's more important than we realize sometimes. And uh, even this week, I was thinking about another issue. Uh, and about how important it is just to have that, uh, that attitude of being under authority. Anyhow, be careful how you talk to and talk about one another. In verse 2, it talked about having a respectful heart. Uh, and then uh, remember who we used to be, a humbled heart. I don't know about you, but it's good for us to remember every once in a while. I was uh, visiting with somebody this week, and they, they were talking about, well, before you got saved, what would you do? And, uh, you know, we just talked about some of that. And and can I just tell you this? I wouldn't trade that life for the one God's given me. Amen? And so it's good for us to remember who we used to be before salvation. Amen? And so anyhow, God reminds us of the changes that he desires, and he reminds them how they were changed. Meaning this, God's the one that reached out to us. We didn't reach out to him. He reached out to us. Uh, we see that God did all the work, verses 5 and 6, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Okay? And so, if you will, uh, we, that uh, also lead to that humbling that we talked about earlier. And then we received all the benefit. You know, think about it. Uh, God paid a tremendous price to give us everything. And, uh, and so, would to God that we would take and, and be able to appreciate that. Now, in verse 8, um, he starts talking about, if you will, the, these are reminders, if you will, uh, how we've been changed or how he wants us to be changed and, and how we were changed. And then he wants to talk about how we can show our gratitude. I don't know about you, but it's, it's good. You know, it's, I think we talked about a little bit about writing thank you notes. And I think having an attitude of gratitude make you ha- be a happier life. Don't you think people would, you know, we always want to talk about young people. Can I say this? Maybe old people need that attitude of gratitude sometimes. I don't know about you. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. And, uh, you know, even the challenges and the trials we go through, I'm glad God has a purpose for all that, you know. And so it's just good for us to take and to have that attitude of gratitude. Now, in verse 8 of of, uh, Titus chapter 3, the Bible says, This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. We talked about that word careful last week. It was, in a sense, be a little bit anxious about it. I mean, Lord, what am I doing for you? Okay? And I will tell you this. There's good anxiety and there's bad anxiety. Okay? And bad anxiety is when you feel like you're just never going to measure up. Okay? You're just, you're just always worried about all things all the time. No, this is, this is good anxiety. It's, it's good, you know. Uh, can I just say this? Before you let the door shut, it's good for you to worry about if you've got your keys in your pocket. You guys know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so it's good for us to just have that momentary, okay, no, we're good, okay? And so he talked about that, you know, the, the, the good works, even this morning in the devotional. 
And so I believe that's what he's talking about here in verse 8. It says, be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now notice, if you will, in verse 8, one of the things it says, um, affirmed constantly. The Bible says that these things need to be affirmed constantly. And I will tell you this, that uh, there's a fine balance between every time you go to church and you're not measuring up, you need to do more, blah, 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 blah. You know, that kind of preaching has its place, okay? But it ought not be every message every time. You understand that? We'll talk about that here more here in a second. But it does say this, it is right to constantly affirm. Can, can I tell you, young people today are falling out of the church, and one of the reasons is because, you know, they just feel overwhelmed with the responsibilities of the Christian life. Somebody here posted a video on, uh, on, uh, on Facebook, and I, was it you, Nancy? I'm, I'm not sure. It was a, it was a sermon about a, a preacher that went to China. If, if, if you don't, listen, I, if you don't, do Facebook, I understand that, okay? And, and I, I don't even care if this guy's a Baptist, I really don't. Because this guy talked about going to China and meeting uh, Christians there, Christian leaders there. And uh, they asked him to pray that someday they would be like us in America. And he said, I won't do it. And the reason was is because they actually had memorized their Bible. Not because they have a Bible. And by the way, most of us, folks, I promise you this, I got at least a dozen. I got at least a dozen. Okay? These, these people in that had memorized the Bible from scraps of paper brought to them in prison. Why? Because they're not allowed to have the Bible. As soon as they get it, it'll be confiscated, they'll be punished for it. And, and yet, we today, we, we get, we're all worried about padded pews and how, far, how long it takes to get to church. And, and, and it, was, it, was a, it was a tremendous message, if you will, this, this, this man talked about that. You know, the Bible says here that this needs to be affirmed constantly. It, it means this, it needs, to be, it needs to be confirmed thoroughly. What? Well, what we talked about before. We need to be under authority. We need to be careful how we talk about others. We need to remember who we used to be. We need to remember that God reached out to us. We need to remember that God did all the work. And we need to remember that, that we alone received the benefit. You know what? That means that maybe it'd be okay for me to, uh, to suffer a little bit for the Lord and to serve a little bit for the Lord. I, I know churches that intentionally don't put uh, padded pews in. They've intentionally made that decision. And I will tell you this, there are probably people who would not go to a church that didn't have padded pews. And I just tell you, it ought not be like that. Why? Because it needs to be constantly affirmed. All these things, we need to remember what God did for us and what God expects from us. Amen? And so it needs to be constantly affirmed. Look what it says again. It says, um, um, it says, uh, it says this, a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, constantly, amen, that we always remember these things. You know, basically, these are the lessons that we need to hear to keep us on track as those who have metamorphed. I'm going to use a fancy word here. You guys ever heard metamorphosis? Whenever you think of metamorphosis, what do you usually think of? Butterflies, okay? And so you have the caterpillar, that goes into the pupa stage and then emerges as a butterfly, okay? And that's called metamorphosis. That's a transitioning. And uh, by the way, uh, 
what's the purpose of butterflies other than they're beautiful? Well, maybe it's just so that we see that metamorphosis. Okay, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. How many of y'all look at a caterpillar and go, oh, that's going to be a beautiful butterfly someday? You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I, if you do, praise the Lord, most of us go, get that off my tomatoes, it's killing them. <laughs> if you think about it. And, uh, you know, so anyhow, uh, we have been metamorphosized. I, I want you to see this. Go to, go to Romans chapter 12. You're familiar with this, but maybe you never thought about it this way. We've been metamorphosized into a new being and given a new life and a new purpose and a new ministry. And that needs to be constantly affirmed. Why? Uh, we, we, we look like we're a little tired today, but, uh, but why does it need to be constantly affirmed? Yeah. Our flesh is weak. Very good. Was anybody busy last week? Were y'all busy? Y- y'all are giving me the knowing nod. <laughs> Any of y'all tired? And, and, and can I just say this, that it's natural and it's normal. How many of y'all come to church because you have to or you're supposed to? Or how many of you come to church to be refreshed? Why? Man, I got a, another week ahead of me. I, I need this. I need the strength. I need the conviction. And, and by the way, sometimes to have more energy, you know what you have to do? You have to go to a gym and work out. Now, it sounds silly that you're overwhelmed with all that you got to do, but to feel better, you need to go and you need to work a little harder so that you can feel a little bit better. Y'all understand that? And so if you will, God's using these same principles in our lives uh, when he's talking about our needs after salvation. Romans chapter 12, you're familiar with this verse of scripture, and uh, many of you could probably quote it to me, but he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I'm begging you, okay? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, say it with me, which is your reasonable service. These things need to be constantly affirmed. Constantly affirmed. Now, did God put us on this earth to raise children? Partly. Partly, yeah. Did, did God put us on this earth to work a job? Partly, yeah, yeah. But what did God ultimately put us on this earth for is two reasons, really is to glorify him, glorify him, and to tell others about him, okay? Would that be a fair statement? Uh, To glorify him, Lord, thank you for the good times and the bad times. Thank you for the challenges. Thank you for the opportunity to be at church here today. Amen? Um, and, uh, And then to tell others about him. Why? Because, man, you don't want to live this whole life and end up in hell. Okay, and so if you will, the Bible says this is your reasonable service. The Bible says this needs to be constantly reinforced or constantly reaffirmed. And then look what the Bible says in verse 2, because this is that transformation. This, this is that butterfly moment, okay? Because the Bible says, and be not conformed to this world, just keep being the caterpillar, okay? The Bible says, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye, what's the Bible say there? That's metamorphosis, folks. That's the very literal Greek word for that word there, metamorphosis, okay? It's not that simple, but it's that word, okay? And the Bible says, but be transformed by the renewing of your... Why does he start there? Why does he start here instead of here? Or why does he start here instead of here? 
Well, think about this, folks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And let me just say this. The, the Bible talks about uh, bitterness in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, okay? And the Bible says that if you'll let bitterness come in, that you're, you'll actually defile others. What is bitterness? I mean, how do you know when you're bitter? I'm not going to tell you. You've got to tell me. I'm sorry? Well, I think to me that's the best definition. Um, I will just confess to you that I've had moments in my life where I've been bitter. Okay? I'll confess that to you. I also had to confess that of sin and get right. Okay? But that, to me, is the one definition of bitterness that makes sense to me. If you can't stop thinking about something, you're bitter. If, you, if it can't leave your mind, you're bitter. You all understand that? How many of you all realize you should think about one thing and then stop thinking about it? Think about another thing and then stop thinking about it. You, you all understand? As we go through life. But if every time you're thinking, you come back to this person, place, thing, something that's happened to you, some person has been mean to you. If you can't stop thinking about that, you're bitter. And the Bible says this, that we need to be transformed in our mind. Why? Because until we change our thinking, it's not going to change what we do with our hands and what we do with our feet. You all understand that? And, and, and so if you will, I, I'm really burdened for young people today that, that feel like they've been mistreated in church. Um, why? How many of y'all are doing your best? All right, that's a third of us. That's good. I might preach on that this morning. I, I'm joking about that. But please take this right away. Anybody here ever been hurt in church? Okay. Okay, is it, is it okay to confess that? And, and so what, what are your options? Well, forgive and move on. All right? But the problem is, is if you can't forgive, then you're still thinking about it. You're still bitter and you can't move on. And it's going to affect what you do with your hands and what you do with your feet. By the way, we could probably add our mouth to that. Okay? And so God is saying, I'm going to constantly reaffirm, reaffirm to you, I want you to change. I want you to metamorphosis. I want you to be transformed into that new man. I want you to be like Christ. Did Jesus get bitter to how he was mistreated? What did he say? Father, forgive them. Why? Please take this the right way. That is so gracious. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Please take this the right way. Whenever you've been mistreated, do you feel like you would like to explain to them how they're making you feel or what they're doing to impact you? Amen? And what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. What grace. What mercy. And the transformation of the mind, okay? Meaning what? He can go through all that terrible stuff and still love us. Amen. It's getting real quiet today. <laughs> Sorry. Here's my whole point. By the way, you're here. Praise God. But there's a lot of baggage out there. One of the very first books that when I became a Christian that I became aware of was a book by a man named Tim LaHaye. You may or may not know him. But he wrote a book called The Battle for the Mind. The Battle for the Mind. And that's basically what he talked about, how important it is to keep our mind right 
Because if God can get a hold of this, he'll affect everything else. He will affect everything else. That's why we need to pray for one another. Why? Some people's minds are being affected. Amen? Some people's thinking is being affected. Sometimes people get sideways about the silliest things, okay? And, and so, if you will, and again, to be honest with you, my burden right now is for young people. Um, uh, it just, you know, they turn 18 and they get out or they, you know, life happens and they fall out. And, and they'll always try to take and turn it on you or turn it on people who technically loved them. You all understand? And, and yet, they get the thinking wrong and then it's out. Anyhow, uh, sorry for that being a burden on my heart. The Bible says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so, if you will, we need to be metamorphosized. Uh, because it's a vital that we are real when it comes to the exchanged life. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, it would be a whole message to, to preach on this. But we exchange our life for his whenever we get saved. All right? Y'all understand that? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, okay, in a sense. So in Christ, you're exchanging, um, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live according to the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. And so what I'm saying is this, is I'm taking my life and I'm saying, Lord, take my life. Let it be. You got, we sing those songs. Amen. And so take my life. Let it be. I'm going to take and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be like you. Amen. And I'm, I'm trading all that old for all that is new. Metamorphosis. Do you see it? That exchange, that change, that, that different life. Go, if you will, to Romans chapter 6. Uh, I just quoted, if you will, Galatians 2.20. But Romans chapter 6 talks about this. And I would love to read, you know, verses 1 down to verse 14. Um, just for sake of time, I won't do that. But, uh, um, you know, it, it talks about being dead in Christ and alive unto God. Okay? Dead to sin. Okay? And, and different things like that. But in verse 4, the Bible says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, say it with me, would you, should walk in newness of life. Amen. That's that exchange life, a newness of life. Amen. Not, not walking in death, but now walking in life. Okay. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Why don't you think about this? When Jesus laid down his life, he laid down everything. He laid down everything. Amen? Why? So that we can have everything. Okay? Verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we, say it with me, we should not serve sin. You all see that? And sin, quite often, is more than sometimes the things that we do. Sometimes it's the things that we think, okay? Sometimes the things that we think. Uh, that's why it's so, it's so important to take and to transform the mind. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anybody here, when I talk about being a real Christian, what does that mean? What does it talk about being a real Christian? You shared a good testimony 
you know, today you, you went through a crisis and got your car stolen. And boy, you could have had a fit. And, ah, and you went and found God's hand in that. Hey, there's a witnessing opportunity we wouldn't have had any other way. Praise God. Do you all understand that? And, and so what does it mean to be a real Christian? Should it change what you talk about? Okay. Anybody the flesh ever jump up on you on what you talk about? Okay. And what happens when you do that and somebody else is looking? Because what are they accusing you of? Being false, being a hypocrite, being fake, right? I thought you said you were a Christian, right? And I'm just telling you, it is so hard to be real. That's one of the reasons it's good to be honest. Can I, anybody ever slip or trip? Your testimony takes a beating every once in a while. And can I tell you, there's nothing better. The Bible says to confess our faults one to another. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to take and to confess, hey, I messed up to my kids or to my wife or, or, or to a church member or to a, to a lost person, amen. It's okay to be real with them. They'll say, well, well, you know, you're, you say you're a Christian and you do this and this and this and say, yeah, I, I struggle with those things. I do. Anybody here have a besetting sin you struggle with? Can I ask a question? Any of you all got more than one? <laughs> you all with me? And, and so to be real is to, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get better in this area, but I, I, I had a slip up. I messed up. Forgive me for that, would you? Okay. Now, is it, is it hard for us to be real? Come on now, everybody. Is it also easy to fake? Anybody ever told somebody that you're praying for them and you hadn't prayed one time for them? Okay. Anybody ever, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, say you love somebody when underneath you're like, (laughs) you all understand? Um, it's easy to fake. Get a hold of this for a second, guys. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to Second uh, Corinthians, please. Second Corinthians. I, I'm kind of teaching this as a warning, and uh, you know, I praise the Lord. This is the Sunday school crowd, so you're hoping that you know we're we're, we're preaching to people who are sold out for these things, but in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 14, the Bible says, and no marvel for Satan himself, I'm sorry, did I give you the wrong verse? Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. it says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed, by the way, anybody want to guess what word that is? Metamorphosis, Okay. The Bible says, transformed into an angel of light, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Uh, Please get a hold of this, but there's a lot of fake Christians out there. Now we, if we're trying to be real, have moments of falseness, okay? And it can be confessed and it can be moved on from, all right? But also know this, that in the world of Christianity, there are a lot of fake Christians out there. There's a lot of people who say that they're born again, okay, amen. 
And they are fooling everybody else, but you know who they're fooling the most? A lot of times they're fooling themselves. Anybody ever think about this? Uh, You're going to stand before Jesus, give an account, and um, any of y'all ever think about, well, was I a Christian? Was I real Christian enough? Am I the only one that thinks weird things like this? Um, Have you ever thought about, did I believe enough? Did I believe right? Did I, can can I say this? I promise you some people struggle with that. Uh, and, and, And here's the thing. I'm glad to know this. Well, it's not about me anyway. I'm trusting in him. Praise God. Okay. But having said that, there are some people that know they never trusted Christ as their Savior. They've never truly been changed. They're putting on an act. You guys understand that? And by the way, they're sitting in Baptist churches every Sunday. How do I know that? Folks, Judas Iscariot never missed a meeting. Y'all with me? Can you imagine how exhausting his life was, trying to pretend all the time that he believed and wanted the same thing and understood what Jesus was teaching? I promise you this, Judas Iscariot half the time had to be, had this funny look on his face like, what are you talking about, Lord? Why? Because he, he just wasn't a new creature on the inside. Amen? And, and so if you will, uh, we see that. Now, uh, let me ask this when it comes to the pulpit. Well, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 27 there real quick. Okay. It's Christianity, if you will, is easily faked, okay, because the, the, the devil can do it and his followers can do it. But it's also easily fallen from if we don't discipline ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, 1 Corinthians 9. In verse 27, the Bible says, But I keep under my body and bring it into what's say, subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And folks, he's not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about losing your ability to be used for the Lord, meaning your ability to use your hands and use your feet, use your mouth. Okay, And so he's saying, I keep this under subjection. Why? Lest by any means I become a castaway. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of y'all would like to be usable for the Lord until the Lord comes? But it takes discipline, okay? It takes discipline, and it takes work, okay? Um, you know, it talks about constantly affirmed. I was thinking about coming to church and preachers and preaching, okay? And uh, anybody ever heard a preacher preach, and you know what they're going to preach before they tell you to turn in their text? You guys don't go to enough preacher's meetings. <laughs> okay? I, I could give you some illustrations, but I don't want to. Okay? But um, I'm hoping that this isn't the case here. So I feel relatively comfortable saying this, but, but uh, excuse me. Can preachers chase rabbits? And when they chase rabbits, what do they usually chase? Let's see if my list makes yours. Pet peeves? And please take this right way. You don't care what my pet peeves are. I probably don't care what yours are. How many of y'all know what a pet peeve is? I 
really hate it when people have to explain everything over and over. I'm just joking. Amen. Uh, how about preferences? How about power accumulation? I mean, they'll take and they'll preach something. When a preacher walks in the room, you ought to all stand up. That's the man of God. And you said nobody would ever preach like that. I can give you examples of people who preach like that. Okay? My whole point is this, is you don't want to come here and know my politics. You don't want to know my pet peeves. You don't want to know my preferences. You know what you ought to know, want to know when you come to church? Yeah, I want to know what the Bible says. Amen? And, and so if you will, please take this the right way. But when he talks about affirm constantly, what are we supposed to affirm constantly? Well, it ought not be. Well, if you've got a red Bible in here, that's ungodly. You say, nobody would ever preach about red Bibles. Yes, they did. If you didn't have a black back Bible, anybody ever heard that expression? Got to have a black back Bible. Meaning what? All other colors were liberal. Please take this the right way. I could care less what color your Bible is. I am concerned about what words are in it. Okay? All right? But uh, if you will, we've got to be very careful about our preferences. How about this? Favorite books, chapters, or topics? I mean, could you, could you go to a church or, or, or hear a preacher that, that they, I mean, you know what text is coming? I, listen, I got preacher friends. I could tell you what text they're going to preach from before they get up in the pulpit. Okay? I might not be able to know the exact verse, but I can get in the right neighborhood. Okay, why? Because, listen, uh, my, one of my favorite books is Job. You know, like I, I preached recently. I hope you like some of those messages. Amen. But how many of y'all, if I preach Job every service, would that wear on you after a while? How about this? If I only preached on, uh, oh, I'm going to make up something silly, uh, I'm, uh, Ford versus Chevy. Okay? If I only preached on Ford versus Chevy, how many of y'all get tired of hearing about Ford versus Chevy? Okay, I'll start preaching more about that. Are you getting it? Uh, how about this, certain topics? Okay, I already told you about the preacher. said there's only 22 topics in the Bible that you should preach. That's nonsense. There's all kinds of topics that you should preach. Okay, well, folks, get a hold of this. When it says constantly affirm, what are we supposed to constantly affirm? Our, our, our pet peeves, our preferences, our, our favorite books, our favorite chapters, our favorite topics? No. Or we're supposed to take and we're supposed to have the right proportion and emphasis based on the whole counsel of God. Um, most of you have noticed this, that... Um, that uh, I, I preach from a book of the Bible. And we just start and we go. Now, some people prefer that, to be quite honest with you. Some people hate it. Some people would rather have somebody up here and fire and brimstone and yelling and screaming and putting on a show. And I'll just tell you, it's not my style. Uh, it's not my style when I'm preaching. It's not my style when I'm listening to preaching. Okay, I really don't want to hear some guy stomp and snort. Turn to the Bible and tell me what it says. Okay, you all understand that? And so if you will... Um, we can do that. Y'all understand that? We can do that. We can have some things that we're just single focus. That's what's important to us. And, and listen, guys, 
the Bible says that we're supposed to do the whole counsel of God. That's what the Apostle Paul said, if you will. Go to Acts chapter 20, please. Acts chapter 20, and look at verse 26. Acts 20, almost done here. And verse 26. The Bible says this, it says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And if you'll study that out, he's, he's essentially, he started in the Old Testament, he taught the life of Christ, and he taught the new revelation that he had. Folks, that's your Bible, okay? That's your Bible, if you will. And he said, I have preached the whole counsel of God, all right? Why, why do, uh, uh, well, it's just my opinion, so I'm not going to say that. That is why peach, uh, preachers need time to study and to meditate, Okay? Can I have you go to Acts chapter 6, just real quick, and I'll, I'll be done here. Acts chapter 6, okay. Why, why do people preach on pet peeves, preferences, favorite books, chapters, or topics? Can I, can I ask a question about that? Because I, I think I'm missing some of y'all. Let's say I come in here and I only preach on how men should wear their hair, Okay. And every week I just preach on how men should wear their hair. Why? Because I did a five-year study on how men should wear their hair. You should, you should wear a tonsure just like I have here. <laughs> Would you all get tired of that after a while? Why would I do that? Well, it's all you're concerned about. There's another reason. Pardon me? easier it's easier folks the bible says if a man desires the office of a bishop he desires a good work okay and the bible teaches what we're supposed to labor at as ministers and in acts chapter 6 the bible says in verse 2 that it's not good that we should keep tables okay and then in verse uh in verse 4 of that, the Bible says that they appointed deacons, if you will, servants, men. I'm not preaching about deacons here today. But my whole point is this, that they might give themselves over to the Word of God and prayer. Study for the Word of God and prayer. Why? So that whenever church time comes, we can have time to take and to preach the Word and not preferences, and not pet peeves, and not our favorite topic that I've preached on 15 times. Do you guys all understand my point? But folks, get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. Do teach, preachers need time to study and to meditate? Amen. And that's the reason that we need to constantly affirm. You say, well, you're just trying to keep us busy. I've I got to be honest with you. I, I try to tell you what needs to be done, and then I ask for volunteers. That's just the way that I do things, okay? Now, I could probably order things around. It's just not my style, okay? But I, I got to tell you this. When we take and, and we say out of gratitude, God, you have done so much for me, and we're metaphors, our, our lives are changed, then we need to have that constantly affirmed and have a little anxiety about it, say, what can I do? Why? To take and to lift the burden. Why? For the Sunday school teachers. Why? So they can take and they can preach and teach for the, for the preachers. So they can preach and teach. Uh, and so, if you will, 
we need to do that. This is why believers need to strive to be aware when they're, um, when their ministers are using them. And I'll just say this and I'll move on. Now that I've preached this, what should you do with what I just preached? And I'll promise you this. I understand that maybe this is not the most exciting lesson here today. Okay? But what should you do with this lesson or any lesson that's preached here? Apply it. Very good. There's one other thing you probably should do. Very good. And I'll just add to that just a little bit, because both of those are right and correct. The Bible says that the Thessalonians, the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians, and that when they heard the word preach, they went home, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they, they, they studied those things for themselves to see if these things were so. Can I just tell you this? We can st- sit in church, and we can just be passive, and just, man, I did my time, I paid my tithe, I... I sang my praises, and now it's time for me to go home. And God says, we need to constantly affirm that's not the way it ought to be for a Christian. Listen, we need to put hands and feet to this work, and and, and we need to have a heart and a life of gratitude whereby we can take up the work of God, pray for our missionaries, study the word of God, hold people accountable, help out in the time of need. And it's just, God is just, if you will, constantly reminding us that it is so easy to get comfortable. Folks, we got the fan, we got the air conditioning, we got the padded pews. We got, I mean, we're living in a free country. None of us is hungry here this morning. Amen. And yet there's people all around the world that wish they had what we had. And uh, maybe would to God we wish they'd, we'd have what they had, a real genuine faith that loves the things of God. If you will, I pray that we'd apply these to our lives. And we're done. <laughs>